What a gift to worship with you. I'm going to be preaching out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. If you have a Bible, you can follow along there, or your phone will have the verses on the screen as well. But Mark, chapter 16, uh, one of the ancient texts that the church has focused on for thousands of years, depicting an encounter that three women had uh, with an angel and the message the angel gave about the risen Jesus. Hear the word of the Lord. Mark 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the next day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your presence and the ways that you speak to us through Holy Scripture. And we ask that your spirit would now give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive all you have for us on this Resurrection Sunday. We pray these things in Christ's name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. On Easter Sunday, we are reminded of who Jesus really is. Was he a teacher? Emphatically, yes. But on Easter, we are reminded that although he was the greatest teacher, he was more than just a teacher. Was he a preacher? Yes. But on Easter Sunday, we confess that although he was the greatest of all preachers, he was more than just a preacher. Was he a healer? Yes. But on Easter Sunday, we confess that although he was the greatest healer, He was more than just a healer. Was he a prophet? Yes. But on Easter Sunday, we confess that even though he was the greatest prophet, he was more than a prophet. He is the son of the living God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And he is the resurrected Lord. And on Easter Sunday, we need a fresh revelation of who Jesus Christ is. In the words of the author John Ortberg, who is Jesus? He is the hinge of history. He is the hope for the oppressed. He is the inspiration of the dying. He is the king of kings, the lord of lords. He is the greatest teacher who ever lived, the greatest mind that ever thought. He sparked the greatest movement ever spread. He offered the greatest gift ever given. He alone mastered life. He alone conquered death. He alone overcame sin. He alone grows more present in each passing year. He is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the victorious risen King. Somebody say amen. 
And his resurrection, amen, is good news for all of us. In our text today, we have the words, the first words that were ever preached about the resurrection. The first words preached after the resurrection. It's the first Easter sermon. And the bar was set high that day because it was preached by an angel. And so I'm going to do my best here to just say what the angel said. The best thing I can do is highlight what the angel said because the angel offers important words for us as we think about the significance of the resurrection and our lives today. When we pick up in the text that I just read, the disciples have just experienced horrific events of their lives. For three years, they spent time with Jesus, eating with Jesus, ministering with Jesus, living with Jesus, walking with Christ, talking with them. For three years, he had deepened their lives, transformed their lives, rescued their lives. And now the one in whom they had spent most of their time with was taken away from them in a moment. And this changed everything. Everything they had built their lives on was gone in an instant. It's amazing how life can shift for us in ways like that. One time, one day you have it, and the next day you don't. The disciples understood how life can change in a moment. And so they, they, their Lord is dead in the grave. They don't know what to do with themselves. But a couple of days after his death, three women came to the tomb. They want to go there to anoint Jesus' body. And the text says in other Gospels that when they go there, they arrive while it's still dark. And what's significant about that phrase, while it is still dark, is this. Christ was already raised from the dead while it was still dark. It's important to know that Jesus did not wait until the sun came up before he resurrected. He resurrected while it was still dark. And that's good news for all of us because it reminds us that God's resurrection power has a way of showing up in the darkest of our nights, in the darkest of our days. While it was still dark, Christ arose from the grave. And so here these three women are. They want to go to the grave to anoint the body of their beloved Jesus. And when they get there, they realize there's a problem before them. There's a stone that's placed in front of the tomb. And historians say that that stone would weigh 2,000 pounds, a massive rock that they could not pull away on their own, not push away on their own. And not only were there a stone there, other gospels say that Roman soldiers would guard the entrance. And so in spite of the presence of these soldiers, in spite of the presence of that stone, these women still came anyway. I'm just grateful for women of faith. Amen. I'm just grateful for women of faith. Our brother Nir came to Christ because of his girlfriend. And the guy who got baptized in the first service came to Christ because of his girlfriend. Let, let's give it up for the sisters in the house. And so they arrive on the scene and see that the stone had been already rolled away. And so I imagine they probably go, whoo, praise God, somebody already did it for us. And then they realize 
wait a minute, this might not be good news. Someone might have come and stolen the body of Jesus. And so they are walking, perhaps, with their hands shaking and their hearts racing. And they peek into the tomb and they take out their phone and, and put the flashlight setting on. And, and they peek inside the tomb and see that there's a young man inside the tomb. They're not realizing that this young man was an angel. And when they see the angel, the angel sees them and the angel starts preaching. It's the first Easter Sunday sermon. And if you're going to have someone preach on the day of your resurrection, you can't go wrong having an angel preach on your behalf. I love how the gospel stories begin and end with angelic proclamation. During the season of Advent, we hear the news that an angel comes and says, Behold, something is about to happen. God is about to come in the flesh. The angelic proclamation begins the ministry and the life of Jesus. And here we have, after the resurrection, an angel shows up again and says, I got good news for you. We proclaim that he was going to come back then. We're here to proclaim that he's coming back today. And so here the angels are at both ends of Jesus' life proclaiming. And the angels give four things, four words that I want to highlight that the angels spoke to those three women on that day. Four important words that you and I need to hear in each generation. Four words that we need to hear on a regular basis. Four words that get to the heart of what Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday is. The first thing that the angel says is don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. These are the first words in the Easter sermon. And that word is a word for all of us. You see, we live in a world that's constantly alarmed. We live in a world that consistently lives in fear. We live in a world that seems to always be on the verge of a collective panic attack. And so the angel comes out and says, don't be alarmed. Now, this is a word that's very specific for the three women. You see, in the Bible, every time an angel comes on the scene, they are startled. The people are startled every single time. And the angel has to reassure them. Whenever an angel comes on the scene, the people who the angel encounters, they don't go, hello, sir, how are you? No, no. Every time an angel comes on the scene, the response is, ah! That's the response. <laughs> and every single time, the angel has to say, you're not in danger. Take a deep breath. It's okay. And so in this case here, we don't hear the ah in the text, but you can be sure that they said ah because the angel says don't be alarmed. In other words, you're not in danger. And we need these words even though it's a different context. You see, there's lots of danger in the world. We would be foolish to ignore the realities of our city. Foolish to ignore the dangers in our world. 
The first word from the angel is not a word of living in denial. It's the angel trying to set before those three women and before us the bigger picture before us. Even though the world is a dark and dangerous place, don't be alarmed. Why? Because God is with you. This is what David says in the famous psalm, Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And so here the angel is. Don't be alarmed. God is with you. And that's a word that some of you need to hear today. Some of you have been living in great fear, living with anxiety. And even though there are dangers around us, the angel's word to you and my word to you is don't be alarmed. God is with you. God is for you. You might be anxiously looking for a job and God says don't be alarmed. The world might be getting crazier and crazier, but the Lord says to you don't be alarmed. You might not know how God is going to answer your prayer, but the Lord says to you, don't be alarmed. The angel, the first thing he says is don't be alarmed, but the angel keeps on preaching. And I love that the angel keeps on preaching. And the second thing that he says that I want to highlight, the angel continues the sermon, says don't be alarmed. And then secondly, he says, you are looking for Jesus. You are looking for Jesus. The angel is speaking in true and obvious word to the women because they came looking for Jesus. They came looking to anoint the body of Jesus. But I want to tell you that 2,000 years later, those words remain true for everyone. Whether you know it or not, whether you are religious or not, whether you attend church or not, here's what's true about the deepest part of your soul. You are looking for Jesus. Everyone in this room is searching for something, seeking something, longing for something. But deep down inside, amen, you are looking for Jesus. This is why music is so important. Music has an ability to, to articulate the longings of the human experience. There are times when you hear a song and your heart is lifted, your mind is lifted. What did it do? It tapped into the deepest parts of longing in your soul. What you're searching for, searching for love, searching for acceptance, searching for joy, searching for peace. We are people who are longing for something. The question is not whether we're longing for something or not. The question is, do we truly know deep down inside what is fueling that longing? We're all searching. And what we've tried to do is we, we've lived lives knowing that we're longing for something, searching for something, seeking for something. But what we've done is we've placed our longings on finite things that can never satisfy us. As Christopher West said, we try to suck infinity out of finite things. But no matter how we try it, no matter what we do, nothing will ever satisfy the deepest longings of your soul like the love of God can. We often think, if I just got that new job, 
That would satisfy the longings of my soul, but that's not going to satisfy the longings of your soul. Some of you say, if I just got a new house, that'll satisfy the longings of my soul, but that will not satisfy the longings of your soul. Some of you say, if I just got a husband, that will satisfy the longings of my soul, but that's not going to satisfy the longings of your soul. Some of you say, if I just got rid of my husband, that will satisfy. Come on, somebody. But that will not satisfy. Amen. The longings of your soul. Only God can satisfy the longings of your soul. That's why St. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We are made for longing. And only Christ can satisfy the deepest longing of our soul. And so the angel says, you're looking for Jesus. Whether you know it or not. And the invitation is to receive his love deep down into your soul. But the angel keeps preaching. Ooh, this is a good sermon. The angel keeps preaching. He says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus. And then he says three words. He is risen. He is risen. And those three words is what we've confessed for 2,000 years. He is risen. And in order to really understand the significance of Easter, the significance of the resurrection, we need to analyze those words for a minute and set the resurrection within its historical context so that we can truly appreciate how scandalous it was 2,000 years ago. Because the resurrection of Jesus fundamentally challenged the prevailing theological assumptions of the day. In the day where Jesus resurrected, in Jewish theology in particular, belief in the resurrection was a significant and remains a significant part of their theology. But the Jewish theology had a very specific way of understanding the resurrection. First of all, in Jewish theology, the resurrection is not something that happened three days after somebody dies. The resurrection was something that happened at the end of the age. At the end of human history, that's when the resurrection is supposed to take place. But instead of Jesus resurrecting at the end, he resurrects beforehand. That's number one. Number two, everyone was supposed to be resurrected at the same time. And so hear it, at the end of the age, and then everyone was supposed to, it was supposed to be one big group resurrection at the same time. But instead, Jesus flips the script. And instead of waiting for the end of the age, and instead of waiting for everyone else, he bursts out of the tomb, and this is scandalous theologically. Let me show you a diagram to help you with this. In the standard theological view of that day 2,000 years ago, we were living at that time in the reign of Satan. And the idea was that the Messiah would come, resurrection of everyone, and then the reign of God. But we're living in the reign of Satan. And this age is characterized by oppression. This age is characterized by evil, wars, disease, death, 
The world is messed up. Society is messed up. You can't find the parking spot in Queens. The Knicks are terrible. This is the age of Satan. This is true. This is the age of, at least for my teams, you know what I'm saying? But the resurrection of Jesus fundamentally challenged this. And what the Christians were proclaiming was that we don't have to wait until the end of the age to enter into the kingdom of God. That Christ has come. Show the next one here. Christ has already come. He's resurrected from the grave. And now we find ourselves in this in-between space of transition and conflict. And we await for the Messiah to come again in which he will resurrect everyone and we will enter into the fullness of the reign of God. But what we find ourselves in right now is in the space of transition and conflict. There's still suffering. There's still wars. There's still disease. There's still death. And at the same time, there's still life and joy and salvation. Why? Because Christ is risen from the grave. And so the first thing we have to know to hear those words, he is risen, is to say something about Jesus, that he started something that will be fulfilled in the age to come. That's the first thing. But the second thing we need to say about the words, he is risen, is that the angel is articulating power, authority, that he is the risen one, the all-powerful one. The one in whom he has all authority. And I love those words, he is risen. When Christ is raised from the dead, he's raised in a glorified state. Risen. Power. Authority. I love it. Jesus doesn't limp out of the grave. You don't see in the Bible, he's like limping and it all messed up. Whew, that was rough. I'm just so happy to be back. You don't see Jesus doing that. We often get this picture, maybe Christ came out of the grave like Frodo at the end of Lord of the Rings. And, you know, he gets to the end and and he's like, whew, that was something. But Jesus didn't get out of the grave the way some of us get out of bed. I mean, this morning I got out of bed. I said, whew, here we go. Amen. And I just got going. No, he burst out of the grave. With power. Letting the world around him know, death can't hold me down. Sin has lost its sting. There's no more power. He is the risen one. And when you belong to him, you now have access to that resurrection power. He has all power. He is risen. We celebrate that one day because of his resurrected body, we too will have a resurrected body. We celebrate that he has already conquered death and one day our eyes will see death conquered as well. That he is already in God's dimension of reality and one day we will be in the fullness of God's dimension of reality. He is risen. And so the angel's preaching. Boy, he's preaching a good sermon. Don't be alarmed. You're searching for Jesus. He is risen. And then the last thing I want to share with you, what the angel says at the end to summarize, to get at what he's been saying this whole time, the fourth thing the angel says is, just as he told you. Mm -mm -mm. Just as he told you. In other words, God 
His word is trustworthy. Jesus had told them, I'm going to die, but I'm coming back. And they said, no, 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 don't do this to us. No, no, you can't leave that. We don't, not, we don't believe it. He said, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. They said, no, no, come on, no, 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 we're not going to believe this. And Jesus tells them this and then burst forth out of the grave. And the angel says, just as he told you. The angel said, he said it. And if he said it, he's going to do it. Therefore, you can trust in his word. And this is the word for us on Easter. God's word can be trusted. You can entrust your life to God. Jesus promises, if you follow me, you will truly live. If you follow me, you will truly feel joy and peace. If you surrender your life to me, you will fully be rescued. If you humble yourself, you will be great. If you receive my love, you will be saved. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. God's word can be trusted just as I told you, he says to us. And God's word comes to pass. I think about my own journey as a follower of Jesus and how God has been faithful to his words. I've been following Jesus since 1999. I was 19 years old. I'm 43 now. Today, actually. I told my wife, I said, Jesus is stealing all my shine today. Jesus is stealing all my shine today. And when I became a Christian, I heard some words proclaimed. And just like the angel said, just as he told you. I became a Christian at 19 years of age. And I remember the day vividly. I was struggling with anxiety, brokenhearted, relationship came to an end. I remember going from Queens to Brooklyn. I came home and saw my father and mother home where my three younger siblings were at this local church that we went to as children, a Latino Pentecostal church in East New York, Brooklyn, called Arca de Salvacion. And I went into that church feeling all depressed and maybe someone would pray for me because I was having a really bad day. And I walked into that church, and when I walked in, the church typically had about 30, 40 people. There was a revival taking place, and so it was about double the size. And when I walk in, the congregation was singing with exuberance. It was at the part of the song they were singing that Jesus has authority over every demon. That when demons come into the presence of Jesus, they had to flee. And I came in at the time where they're saying, demons have to go. Right when I walked in, I'm thinking, is this place safe for me? And I walked in and sat down in the back, just wanting someone to pray for me, and I was feeling pretty depressed and all that. And after walking in, my parents walked in behind me, which was a real surprise because I didn't invite them to come to church, and my family never went to church. They walk into the church, stand in the back, and then a guy got up to preach. Puerto Rican gentleman, amen. Amen. <laughs> 
with alligator shoes and a matching alligator belt. I mean, this man had it going on. And he would preach. You know the spirit comes when you wear those alligator boot, uh, shoes and belt. You know, the Holy Ghost is about to come right now. And so this man starts preaching about the power of the breath of God. That God can breathe life into you. Infuse you with his life. And he started preaching from the book of Ezekiel chapter 37. A story about the valley of dry bones. That at one point in Israel's history, they were an army, they were, they were they're powerful, but now they were a valley of dry bones. And God tells the prophet Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and tell them, come alive. And the bones began to come alive and turn into an army. And this preacher got up there and said, God wants to breathe life into you. That some of you, you're lifeless, you're scattered, you're desolate, you're dry, but God can breathe life into you. Could you say yes to the breath of God in Jesus Christ? And this preacher made this invitation, who wants to receive the breath of God? And one by one, family members began to respond to this invitation. And I responded, and my, my brother responded, and sister, and other sister, and other sister, and my mother, and my father, and my uncle, and my aunt, and a cousin, and another cousin, and another uncle, and another aunt. We had 30 Puerto Ricans in one block in our neighborhood there, and, 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 and 15 of us came to Jesus Christ in one night in this small church in East New York, Brooklyn. A powerful encounter. God's presence was moving so powerfully that day. Listen, I had a chihuahua. His name was Milo. I mean, if he was at church, Milo would have said, can I, can I, can I receive? And he was a demonic possessed dog. He was a bad dog. He would have said, forgive me. I, I, I've done a lot of bad things. He would have come to Christ as well. God's power was moving. And the preacher said, if you give your life to Jesus Christ, I'm not promising that everything is going to be great. But I'll promise that you'll have joy. And I promise that you'll have peace. And I promise that you'll have strength. And I promise that there'll be a depth of love that you cannot manufacture. I'll promise you that I'll give you a peace that the world can't give and a peace that the world can't take away. And here I am some 20 years later. As it were, hearing the angels say, just as he told you. God can be trusted. And the invitation is whether we're going to say yes to the saving love that comes in Jesus Christ. Don't be alarmed. You're searching for Jesus. He is risen just as he told you. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we give you praise. We celebrate that because you are alive, we too can be made alive. We thank you that a new age has dawned in your resurrection, that your kingdom has come and we wait for the fullness of it but as we wait, we celebrate that you've given us your Holy Spirit to bear witness to the resurrection. And so, Lord, we thank you. And may we hear those words from the angel as words to us. 
that we don't have to be alarmed because you're with us that we may articulate and name the longings of our soul as a longing for God that we would celebrate that he is risen and that his word is trustworthy we sing to you now Lord words of praise words of thanksgiving words of gratitude for you are risen risen indeed we pray these things in Christ's name and everyone said amen let's all stand let's sing together oh there's nothing there's nothing better than you still turning graves into gardens come on let's sing oh there's nothing Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing, nothing is better than you. Oh, oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing, nothing. Turn morning, say you turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame, you turn shame into glory. You're the only one, you're the only one who can. You turn morning, turn morning to dancing. You give beauty. Better than 
and say, you turn time he is risen amen we praise the Lord we praise the Lord let's have our prayer team come to my right we end every gathering every Sunday with an opportunity for those who want to receive prayer to receive it uh, it can be a very dark and dangerous world it can be a place of loneliness a place of struggle and one of the ways that God's grace becomes available to us is as we receive prayer from people and so our prayer team will be here whatever needs you have if you're struggling at home finances feeling alone uh, any kind of challenges before you we would love to pray for you in addition to that maybe you've come into this service maybe you're watching online and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ never said I want to receive forgiveness of sins. I want the hope and joy and life that's available to us in the risen Jesus. I want to follow Christ in the way that our dear brother Nir has made a decision to get baptized and say, I want to follow him. And if there's something tugging at your soul today, I want to invite you to consider that as a longing because you are looking for Jesus. And we want to pray for you, so whether you come forward, whether you text the phrase, yes to Jesus, to that number on the screen, 718-424-0122, one of our pastors would love to follow up with you and have a conversation about what it might mean to take your next step in your spiritual journey. And so we would love to serve you along those lines. Before I bless you, I want to remind you that if you are uh, first-time visitors, feel free to go to the lobby area there's a little gift we'd like to just give you and we have a beautiful setup in the shell room if you'd like to take some photos uh, with your friends your family uh, random strangers I mean whatever it takes here uh, and so if you'd like to be the first in line there you should probably go through those stairs and down that's the expressway to the shell room and so feel free uh, to go there but as we close let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven we end every gathering with blessing and if you're new to our church our hands are in the posture of receiving and it's our way of saying we are to receive blessing out of which we are to be a blessing to the world around us and our hands really uh, express an openness not just of hands but of heart to God to life to joy to peace to happiness 
And may our Lord fill you with your deepest longings and deepest desires, with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you, fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit, not being alarmed. May you know deep down in your soul that your deepest longings point to your longing you have for God. May you celebrate the good news that Christ is risen. May you trust in his word. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone shouted, Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you all.